We pray, dear Lord, thank you for setting your word before us today from Psalm 27. We ask that you bless us as we read your word and inwardly digest it and think about its applications to our lives. Uh, send your Holy Spirit to each one of us to make us strong in our faith and to give us a better understanding of what it means to live this life in your protection and in your security. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. All right, so this last week, uh, Elijah and I started a Lego building project. So what we were building was, now I got his attention. So what we, what we were building was kind of a combination airplane hangar and treasure vault. Is that accurate, Elijah? I don't know if we were, like it was kind of both those things. Clearly, it was the type of building that needed to be deeply defended. So this was kind of the main focus of our, of our Lego building. We double reinforced the bottom of the wall. And then we built some Lego lasers and flamethrowers on top of the wall. But on top of all that, before anybody could get to the building, they would first have to get past the guards. And the guards that we had built were a Lego Velociraptor and a Lego Hammerhead Shark. And there was also a Lego Kitten, which I feel like was operating in more of a supervisory capacity on that guard team instead of actual guarding. But the point was, it was a very secure building. Like, if any bad guys were going to come steal our gem that was attached to the wall or steal our planes, like, they were going to have a lot of obstacles to make it through. You could feel pretty safe in a building like that. But believe it or not, there are even safer buildings in the world than the one we made from Legos. For example, the United States Federal Gold Reserve, which includes about $300 billion worth of gold, is housed inside a building called Fort Knox. Right, and Fort Knox is known as being one of the most strongly defended buildings in the world. In case you're curious, and I know that you are, in order to get to Fort Knox, a bad guy would first have to go through a military base containing 30,000 troops and attack helicopters and tanks and armored personnel carriers and artillery. And if the bad guy somehow made it through that whole military base up to the building, they then would have to make it through two electric fences one big concrete fence with searchlights on top, laser-controlled machine guns, landmines under the grass, ground-sweeping radar to ensure that you can't tunnel. And that's just the outside defenses. On the inside is a bunch of top-secret defenses that only the government knows about and they won't tell ordinary civilians like me. But at the middle of it is the vault with all the gold, with all the treasure. And that vault is surrounded by 27 inches of concrete and steel its door weighs 20 tons, and the vault is so strong it's been designed to withstand the blast of an atomic bomb. That's a pretty secure building. I think, like, if you were hiding out from somebody, you could probably feel pretty safe in a building like that. But would you be perfectly safe from everything? Think about it. Fort Knox could keep you safe from enemy armies and from assassins. What about could it keep you safe from temptation? Could it keep you safe from your own sinful weakness? Could it keep you safe from your own physical weakness? Like, could staying in Fort Knox prevent you from getting sick? Could it prevent you from getting old? Could it prevent you, ultimately, from dying? No, it can't. So as strong as Fort Knox is, it cannot protect you from absolutely everything. Then there's one other problem about Fort Knox, and that's this, is that it's stationary. It's only in one spot. You can't do like a turtle and take Fort Knox with you. 
So even if you're hiding and perfectly protected in Fort Knox, as soon as you decide to leave and go do something, you're now vulnerable and exposed to your enemies again. So Fort Knox is a pretty secure building. It cannot keep you perfectly safe from everything. All right, where are we going with this? Today we're continuing our sermon series called Conversations with God, and we're looking at various psalms, a lot of which were written by King David. And King David, of course, was a person who was very familiar with battles and wars and enemies and fortresses. King David knew what it took to be safe and protected. But King David also knew what it felt like to be vulnerable and afraid. Put yourself in King David's shoes or sandals or bare little feet. Can you imagine being a 12-year-old shepherd boy, responsible for the health of your father's flock? This is the big kid job. You're out there with the sheep by yourself, and while you're out there, you come face to face with a lion. A 400-pound killing machine with claws like razors, and it's got its heart set on a sheep dinner. But if there's a little problem, it just might settle for a shepherd dinner instead. And here you are, probably barefoot, 12-year-old kid with a slingshot. Can you imagine the, the feeling of that kind of fear? The sweaty palms, the dry mouth, the racing heart, just like this primal fear. And then, can you imagine the incredible excitement when, against all odds, God gives you the victory? Fast forward a couple years. Now it's not a lion. Now it's a literal giant. Nine-foot-tall Goliath is lurching towards you with his massive spear and sword and shield and all of his armor, and thousands upon thousands of, of uh, soldiers are chanting his name, cheering for him, to kill you. And you are wearing your little tunic, maybe some sandals this time, and your puny little slingshot. You have no chance. You have no chance. And then can you imagine the rush of excitement when again, against all odds, God gives you the victory? Fast forward a few more years and now imagine that evil King Saul is hunting you down in the wilderness with his army. And you and your few loyal soldiers are hiding in a cave. You've tunneled your way in there. And all of a sudden, King Saul and his soldiers decide to come into that same cave and refresh themselves from the heat. You're totally trapped. This claustrophobic fear pressing into the very back of the cave, curling up behind a rock, hoping and praying that he doesn't see you. And then the feeling of sweet relief when, once again, God protects you. Fast forward just a few more years, and now you're the king, sitting on the throne. But now, you've got the plots and the intrigues constantly happening behind your back. You know that people want to assassinate you. You know that people want to take your throne. You know there's a plan inside your palace, but you don't know who's involved. So every day, you go to work, not knowing if this is the day that some random servant is going to pop out from under the table with a sword and assassinate you. But once again, God protects you. Once again, you're safe. It's safe to say that David knew a lot about fear. It's safe to say that David knew a lot about feeling vulnerable and unprotected. But he also knew a lot about safety and security. And what David knew is that true safety and security does not come from armies and weapons and fortresses and battle plans. True safety and security comes only from the Lord. And so King David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. So David had learned again and again throughout his life that God was far more powerful than all of his enemies. And if it was God's will to protect him and give him victory, then no enemy, no matter how terrifying, would be able to harm a single hair of his head. And of course, God's protection was not just for physical enemies, it was for spiritual enemies too. And we talked about this in a sermon a little bit earlier in this series. The greatest danger that David ever found himself in in his whole life, it was not from Goliath or any other type of military enemy. His enemy was his own unrepentant sin. Maybe you remember what happened. We're kind of in the prime of his career. David committed adultery with his neighbor's wife, had the husband killed to cover it up, and then lived in secrecy and lies and hiding for an entire year. And he got to the point with this unrepentant sin that his sin was not bothering him and scaring him anymore. This was an incredibly dangerous spiritual position, threatening to lead, lead David all the way away from God. But even that insidious enemy, God found a way to defeat by sending his prophet Nathan to bring David to repentance when he repented for his sin to share with him God's forgiveness. And David was brought back in to God's family, to God's love. So every kind of enemy, down through the years, God had provided protection. And so David had learned down through the years that true safety, true security, does not come from anything we do, anything we build, any preparations we make, but true safety and security can only come from the Lord. And so David writes, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. So in a time of danger, the safest place that David can think of is being in God's house, God's temple. And David is more secure from his enemies there in God's house than, than even in Fort Knox, if it had existed at his time. But here's the interesting part. So we're talking about the incredible safety of God's house. Do you know what kind of a house God had at David's time? What kind of a structure they worshipped in? The temple wasn't built yet until David's son Solomon would build it later. They were worshipping at this time in the tabernacle, this flimsy little portable tent made of strips of fabric not exactly a bomb-proof, imposing structure. But David insists, I'm going to be safe in the house of the Lord. In time of trouble, God is going to keep me safe in his dwelling. And he says a little bit later, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So what is David saying? He's learned over his whole life that God's house, God's dwelling place, is not just the place where you gather for worship. God's dwelling place is in the hearts of his children. Is this not the same thing that Jesus said too? He said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. 
David knew that God had made a home inside of his heart, a fortress that he carried with him everywhere he went. And that meant no matter what scary things were out there in the world, literally nothing was going to happen to him unless it was specifically part of God's plan for his good. What a relief. What a comfort. The way to stay safe in this terrifying world, David realized, is not to set up any kind of defenses for yourself, but simply to take heart and wait for the Lord, because he is always with you, and his protection never fails. We know this, right? We know this. But our world doesn't know this. And this is why our world is so very, very afraid. Is it just me or have you noticed this? Like especially the last few years. The world that we live in is very, very afraid. Afraid of the impact that human civilization has had on the environment. Afraid of the possibility of nuclear war. Afraid of being the victim of some kind of a terrible crime. Afraid of mass shootings. Afraid of getting cancer. Afraid of AI. Afraid of what's going to happen in the next election. Afraid of the other side of politics, whatever that means for you. Afraid of getting shamed and canceled, whatever that fear means for you. But we live in a world where like, we're just afraid of everything. Our world is so afraid. If you don't think that's true, just read any news article. Uh, I, I saw an article this past week that was like, five ways that the world could conceivably end fairly soon. Which one do we think could happen first? And yeah, they're just trying to get you to click the article. But why? Why is everybody so afraid? The answer is that our world is looking for safety. We are looking for security, but we're looking for it in all the wrong places. Our world has the idea that if, if we could just, is probably the title of the idea. It's, we have this idea of if we could just, if we could just get the right leaders in place, if we could just get the right laws passed, if we could just get the right kind of funding behind the right kind of research, if we could just get everybody to work together and view this the way that we're viewing it, if we could just work together as people with the right kind of goals in mind, then we're going to be able to figure it out and get safety and security for ourselves. But it's a lie. We can't. This planet is so deeply broken by sin and its effects that suffering and pain is going to come bursting unexpectedly into our life and there's no way to avoid it. And the people on this planet are so deeply broken by sin and its effects that when we try to work together, we end up attacking each other. And when we try to keep each other safe, we end up endangering each other. And this is just the earthly problems. Right? On top of this, we have our eternal problems of sin and death and hell. Problems that are clearly too big for human beings to solve. So this goal of working together, providing safety and security for ourselves, it's not working. We've been at this for thousands of years. It's not working. We still don't feel safe. And you can see why in a world like this, it is so easy to just be scared all the time. But this is why God gives us his word. And this is why he sends us a psalm like Psalm 27 to tell us, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We are reminded of this deeply comforting truth that the world around us does not have. That comfort comes from knowing safety and security aren't built by us 
safety and security are ours from the Lord. All right, think this through. you got two big points, two big things you know about God. This is the first one. God's in charge of everything. Right? He made the world. He's in charge of the world. God is watching over the entire universe. Nothing happens that is outside of God's perfect control. That's true. Secondly, God has already proved how far he will go to protect us. God has already sent his own son to die on the cross and solve the eternal problems, taking away sin, taking away hell, rising from the grave to take away the problem of death and give us eternal life to look forward to. And he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with that, graciously give us all things? Jesus' sacrifice on the cross proves that God will stop at absolutely nothing to keep us safe. So you have God with absolute power and control, and you have the same God who will stop at absolutely nothing to keep you safe. And that's why we can say with David, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that last line is really important. Because David, in this particular case, doesn't say, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord when I get to heaven someday, but this life might be a real bummer. No. He says, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In my life here on earth, God is going to watch over me. God is going to keep me safe in my life right here on earth. Now, does that mean if we have enough faith in God, we're going to have no problems and become billionaires in this life right here on earth? Probably not. Because this world is deeply broken and it's not our eternal home. But this does mean no matter what scary things are out there in the world, absolutely nothing is going to happen to you unless it is specifically part of God's plan designed for your spiritual and eternal good. Do you believe that about your life? It is hard to believe that about your life. But it's true. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose in all things. So, to close this morning, I want to just really flesh this out and think about this. Let's say that what you are afraid of is getting cancer. Let's just pick that one. Um, you know a bunch of people that are getting cancer. You know a bunch of young and healthy people that are getting cancer, and you are afraid of getting cancer. If that's the case, guess what? God loves you. He's with you. He sends his angels to protect you every day. And unless God has an incredibly specific plan for the cancer, that he is going to use this specific thing to draw you closer to him, to build faith like you've never had it, to bless the people around you for your and their spiritual eternal good, if God does not have all of that mapped out specifically, your odds of getting cancer are 0%. Let's pick another one. Let's say that you're afraid of being the victim of a mass shooting. Well, guess what? God loves you. He's with you every day. He sends his angels to protect you. And then, unless God has some incredibly specific plan for you, that he's going to let this particular event happen to you and use it for your spiritual and eternal good and draw you closer than he could have ever done otherwise and shine his light to more people than he ever would have reached, unless God has a nuanced plan for this particular thing to happen to you, 
your percentage chances of getting into a mass shooting are zero percent. Zero. Because nothing is outside of God's control and all things work for the good of, of God's children. So I think so much of our fear comes from this idea that like at any moment some terrible random event is going to happen to us. But the truth is there are no random events. God is in control of everything. And yes, in this sin-broken world, trouble is eventually going to come into all our different lives in different ways because this world is broken and because this world is not our home. But the only kind of trouble God is ever going to let happen to you is a trouble that he has specifically planned to use for your spiritual and eternal good and also for those around you. And this is just a game-changer for how we think about the future. Because instead of thinking, like, there's so many dangers, how can I protect myself and working so hard to control everything and set up all this security in our lives, what we can do is simply wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Because nothing is going to happen to us. Nothing is going to happen to you. Unless God specifically plans to use it for your spiritual and eternal good, and who could argue with that? That is a better security than Fort Knox. That's a way better security than Legos. That's a better security than anything this world could possibly offer. And that security is yours. It is yours all the time. As a child of God, through faith in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen. Now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus, your safety and your security and your Savior. Amen.